Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting StopClowningAround.com or Facebook.com forward slash StopClowningAround. If you're a fan of music and concerts, this interview will interest you. Jill Willis, a concert and special event planner for one of the largest radio stations in St. Louis, provides a glimpse into the glamorous, or not so glamorous, life of a concert and events planning professional. Jill, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing a little bit about your passion and your career. Could we start by hearing a little bit about your role and how you got there? Sure thing. Um, I am actually a concert and event manager, and I work for a radio station right now that I handle a lot of the main thing I do is concerts, but then any large event or event that we do, I'm the one that it comes through as well. And it was not something that I intended to do. It was something actually I began working um, here as an administrative assistant and volunteer coordinator. I was here for three, no, four and a half years. And at that time, I really just got to a point where I recognized that I wanted more. I just felt like I had a lot of downtime and the way I work and had recognized is that I just wanted more resp- more things on my plate, more things to do. And so I one day went to my uh, superior and I just said, hey, I'm just curious if you think that anything else is on the horizon to open up for me to uh, do and have more on my plate. And unfortunately, uh, it, w- it was a smaller business. And so they saw it as really there wasn't anything at that point and but told me, you know, if there were, I would love to give it to you, but we just don't have it this time. So I informed them that, you know, I I loved where I worked, loved the ministry, but I really was going to pursue something else because, you know, just truly day in, day out, I was bored. (laughs) And that makes 40 hours a week go even longer. So I pursued something else and I took a little um, excursion, but then um, thankfully it was something where I stayed in touch with my old boss. Um, had really established a relationship and, you know, really enjoyed working with her. So I continued to chat with her. And then it was three years later that I got a phone call and it was an invite of a job that was opening up or a position, I should say, where the roles she felt really fit me and was curious if I'd like to come back. And so um, it was something where I did like the job I had left for, though. So it was where I wanted to take some time to think and pray about it. Um, but in doing so and looking at, um, full spectrum of where was the job I had going to take me, what could this job do for me, um, in the future and, um, just really feeling confirmation, I came back. And so I had a new role, but at the same place, and it was now concert event manager that, um, definitely has now come to fruition 10 years later of being exactly what fits me to a T and I love it. And, um, keeps me busy. It puts these pictures in my head of this amazing job where I might run around and meet all kinds of famous people and I get to 
uh, go to concerts probably for free. And, you know, I, I start to visualize this dream job, but I have this suspicion that it's not quite all it's cracked up to be when someone hears the title. So can you talk to us a little bit about the day-to-day, week-to-week, maybe even month-to-month in your case, because I know these events are probably planned quite a ways out. What does your job really look like? Yeah, um, definitely there's a misunderstanding that, yes, when people see concert in my title, they are thinking, yeah, I get to go to a bunch of concerts and I get to sit down and have coffee with the artist and get them to be my best friend. And that's just not the case. I mean, sure, I sometimes get to meet them and um, that's great. But a lot of times I'm working with their management and may not even say a word to them the whole evening of the event. But the concert itself then is just one night or one day, you know, and here and there when we do them. But there's all, all of the planning that is beforehand that is where I am working and getting things in place. So typical roles and things that I am going to do when an event comes up is basically first with my team, we're discussing ideas, we're, um, you know, things that artists maybe that we want to bring in in concert or a certain type of event that we want to do for um, listeners um, or with our ministry. And so we sit down and say, okay, yeah, we would like to do this. Um, Who would be the right speaker, who would be the right musician, Um, how large of a venue do we think we would need for that? Okay, um, yeah, 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 that'll work, that'll work. So I start taking notes of all of those type of things. Then I come back to my office and I start making phone calls and I need to touch base with a booking agent and find out what availability with artists or speakers or, um, you know, whoever we're working with will be. Then I have to um, contact some venues that I think would work and see what their availability is and determine if there's any particular date that could match. Then whenever I find that out, I get those reserved um, and not locked in yet, but reserved because then I have to go back to my budgeting. And so then I sit down and once I have found rates of rental um, and rates of the guest that's going to come, I plug that in. I plug in um, licensing fees, uh, any hotels, any rentals, um, any sound equipment, lighting, um, added added expenses of any kind. You know, I just have to look into all of those type of things and put them on my spreadsheet and then determining, okay, well, are we going to charge for this event or is it a free event? Because if we, if it's a free event, then I need to figure up all of these expenses we're going to have. And then we have to look into our budgeting to see if it's allowable or that then it goes to our promotion um, team that they are going to get in contact or our management to get in contact with uh, entities that we feel would maybe want to support it and to put in the money for it. And so then we have to make sure the expenses and what's given could match. But if it's something that we are going to charge for, then that's where I, you know, then look into what I feel are reasonable costs for a ticket and then I, how many seats we're going to have, how I could divide the seating. Would it be general admission? Could it be specific reserve seats? And so I do all this in my equations and I see feasibility. And of course, I always want to figure um, if we don't sell out, are we still good to go? Because we want to make sure that we're at least going to break even. Um, and if we make profit, then that's even better. 
And so once I get all of that stuff lined up, um, then and and approved by my superior, then I will go ahead and um, call and we get the okay green light. I then will lock in the uh, venue, lock in the guest, get those contracts in place. And once those are done, then I begin the more nitty gritty planning. I have to set up the ticket sales. So I'll contact the ticket agent at a venue if it's through them, or we also have a side company that we work with when it's our own personal events that we operate tickets through. So I have to get all of that arranged and set up. I need to get promotional images in place, uh, create a production order plan, um, get all of the marketing aspects to our marketing team so that they can take it and run and get that in place. Um, then I work on just logistics for the day where I need to get a work crew in order. I need to get volunteers. I have to arrange catering, any hired hands or touch base with union labor if they are ones that have to be working for it. Um, seating assistants, ticket scanners, cash boxes, credit card scanners, um, sound and light. Uh, merchandise sales contracts, security, all of those type of logistics for the actual day of anyone who's going to need to be there to handle anything. Um, they, I have to get that in place, contracted if contracted, or just arranged and clarified. Um, then I need to work out the day schedule. How's the flow of the day going to be from load in to load out and all the in-between? I um, need to just go ahead and make sure that rental vehicles are done, hotels, meals for the day. And sometimes, you know, we, with people who travel, you have to find out if they have a catering plan. Cause you know, when they're traveling all the time, they want to make sure they don't have the same meals every day. So they usually have something that's called a rider that they give us that, you know, really gives us kind of a stepping stone and logistics of things they prefer what kind of things need to be set up with tech and lighting. But, you know, then I'm the one that's working with the people to get it all organized in place. Um, then signage, we may have to get some made or perhaps the venue already has it. Um, stanchions, chairs, all, all of those kind of logistics that that's been my checklist that I go down to um, get everything in place, make sure we're all on the same page. And once it gets started, some of the stuff I await, you know, then quotes to come, but some of it is just organizing it. But you always, always, always want to follow up. Um, that's something that, you know, if, if not a detail oriented person, you would hate my job probably, because you have to keep track of the detail and you have to follow up. Um, and otherwise so many things can fall to the wayside and then your event the actual day could fall apart you have and, me you know, shivering then... right now jill i mean i i look at this and and i've actually been taking notes and writing down all the things that you have to do from day one to day of the event it's very detailed i mean you have a process in place and i'm sure that's what makes you successful is you have a process and you follow it day to day but mm -hmm. wow i i i would think that that is a criteria of someone in this role is you must like the details. You do. And, and that's what a, a typical misunderstanding is that, you know, people are thinking like we discussed in the beginning that it's, oh, a concert or an event. I get to be there for the whole thing. But you're the brain of it. And you're the one making sure that it all goes smoothly. You're not the one just to relax 
and enjoy the event. And um, so, but I mean, let me just say, I love that. It's, you know, I actually many times um, just really enjoy the day of an event whenever the actual um, performance or whatever it may be begins. I love to just walk outside stage and just soak it in a little bit and look at the people who are there. And I just kind of say, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> and I think it's all come to fruition now. Sure. And it's, it's in motion. Yay. And, you know, that's just kind of one of the things that makes me tick. And so if you would be a person like that, um, that likes to be behind the scenes and really organized, then this would be great for you. But um, if not, then I can say, yeah, don't go into event planning <laughs> because you are the planner and you're the one with all of the logistics that is getting it in place. And I can say when I first started, I would kind of just take notes um, and I'd have my list of things to do. But if you could even see what I've created since then, probably a lot of people would go, oh my goodness, because I began just making my own form and it's a four page form that has just the breakdowns of booking, concert event setup, further logistics, week of event prep, my contacts with the, for the day with their titles, what they do, their phone, their email, the tasks for day of, the day schedule, so that I can then just be filling it in as I get things prepped um, and then that day have it at my hand. And as I've created it, um, you know, and then I've added to it and I've taken away things then as I put it in motion, but I can be confident that if I look over it and I have everything in place, it's all going to be good. There's always going to be last minute things that come up or things that fall through that then I need to fix, but that's all I have to handle the day of. Otherwise, I just have to be checking in on each of the steps of the day that are on my form that I know I've arranged and I've checkmarked it that it's good to go um, and I'm fine. So that's where, you know, sometimes people look at, oh my gosh, all the detail and I go, yeah, but I have something in front of me to keep my mind at ease that all is good um, rather than just thinking I have to have it all in my mind and I have to think of every little detail on my own without something to go by. So that's another thing that, you know, I always encourage and, you know, we'll share with people when they're maybe planning something that I go, make sure you do a list, reminders, checklist, something because otherwise you're prone to forget something and then you go, ah, you know, and who knows how big or little that mistake could be and keeping track of it ahead of time um, will save you that issue. And what I really caught in what you said also is your documentation. It sounds to me, especially in the early days, and I have a funny feeling you still do it. You document after the event anything you learned and continue to adjust your process and just how quickly you were able to lay out what you do in the process you laid it out in, it tells me that you have a pretty solid process that you do follow already. Yes, I do. Um, I've learned that that helped me not go crazy <laughs> if, I, if I didn't. I mean, because I'm at like this point right now, I'm in the process of I have seven events that I'm working on. So there's no way that with all the numbers, names, uh, tasks of seven different events that I could keep myself totally focused on and remember every little detail 
if it was barely taking any notes on it and not having something written down and established. Um, I even will make notes of when I do have correspondence with people, um, I'll mark on my notes, spoke last this date. Um, you know, and if there's that I need to do a follow-up, I'll give myself a reminder to follow up because if not, you know, something could fall through. And so it's that type of detail. And again, you know, some would listen to me talking and say, I would hate her job. And, you know, that I would just say, oh, no worries. That's fine. You know, just don't become an event planner. There's something for you <laughs> because we each we each have our personal gifts. And, um, you know, accountants, I our bookkeepers, accountants, I will say to them, because I've helped them at times in the past. That was one of the roles that I did assist in. And um, I hated it, hated it. I love math, but hate accounting and having to do that all stinking day. So, you know, but the women who do it here at our business, they love it. And so, you know, that's the one thing that always, I'm just like, don't, don't let me uh, discourage you. If you hear me and say, I would hate that job. And maybe you thought concert events, I would love it. There are other aspects oh. to a concert and event that maybe you would like, you know, just Jill, not being the manager. One of the things about this podcast, you know, Career Day Live, our hope is that we provide enough content so that those who are listening can really come to one of two conclusions. And either conclusion is a win. We want someone yeah. to say, man, that is a great fit for me. And I would love to do that. Or we want someone to say, I would be miserable in that role, and that would be the worst <laughs> job for me, because either way, it's a win. The worst thing that can happen in your career is to find a fit that is just not a fit. You know, it's the square peg, round hole type scenario. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So find that out early and find the areas that you'll succeed in. And uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I'm getting a good feel for what this is now. And I, I really think even in my mind, I was off a little bit in what I thought it would be and what the role mm -hmm. actually is. I simplify it for uh, back to a term that I think a lot of people are a little more familiar with as a project manager. It sounds to me yeah. that you're really a project manager of concerts and events, and you have to work through your own plans and process to bring the event to fruition. So um, that's my simplistic understanding. One of the questions I really want to get out is timeline. You mentioned you're working on seven events. I don't think all seven events are happening or, or at the same exact stage right now. So can you talk about how long it takes from day one to the day the event uh, happens, or at least, you know, average typically? And then of those seven events, can you confirm that you're just in all different stages of each one of those? Yeah. Um, well, it depends on how large the event is, number one, because obviously if it's a, the bigger the event is, the more time you need to prep. Um, and so I, like my furthest ahead, well, I can say I actually have started researching and looking into something that we want to do in January of 2019. So that is a ways or I'm sorry, 2020, not 2019. So um, here we are in October of 2018, and I'm looking at an event for 2020. So, but that I'm just kind of doing check-ins, calls, uh, we're working on ideas, and that's over there. So 
not a whole lot's going on yet, but I still am looking that far ahead because it would be a very large event in a large arena. And um, we're kind of creating it ourselves. And so there's a lot of contacts and things that we need to get established ahead of time. Otherwise, when we're doing a concert that's going to be in an arena, we typically are needing to look at dates and book with an arena at least six months in advance. Sometimes we're doing it in a year in advance because I do also have, again, this is um, fall of 2018, and I'm looking at an event that we're doing um, spring of 2020 that is pretty much a set thing. Um, but I'm needing to book it now because of the venue we need and um, the artist secure on that date kind of issue. But um, the closest or then I have this coming spring, I have an event in April. I have an event in March. I have four events in February. I have an event in January. Um, and so the larger they are, but I, I can say those range from seating capacity of 500 to um, 10,000. And um, basically, it's just, again, depending on how quickly the venues that we're looking at are going to fill up, um, that I need to make sure that I lock in dates, as well as how busy are the schedules of guests that are coming that I need to work on. So those are the first things, but, but that's kind of what's on my plate. And then month to month, uh, we typically are going to set up ticket sales to go for three months and promotion three months ahead of an event. So that shows you that at least three months ahead. Um, so probably four months then is when I have to start it and then, you know, have ticket sales ready then three months out and the promotion and everything in place. Um, but it, it just depends. It totally depends. There are sometimes some last minute events that just come to the plate and we weren't expecting it and we have to rush and get it in place. And we usually can. That is typically, though, that we sit here and say, well, if it's right, it'll work. And that's what we find out. If I make the calls and I see everything's coming into place, okay, yeah, we can still do it. But then we sometimes get the stop signs and we're like, okay, it was a great idea, but it's not going to happen. So timelines are kind of hard to say for sure. Depends on the size of the event, what type of event, and actually booking things. Well, I think you gave us a really good idea that you're working on a wide variety of projects, which is probably good because yeah. it does keep you... Uh, motivated and, and not getting into the uh, boredom of the same process, or, or even though you're following the same process, you're not doing the same exact thing over and over. So that's probably a really good thing. I wanted to ask one more question. You've talked about how you have to call people and, and, and communicate and booking and things of that nature. A lot of people get nervous when it comes to what I'll call cold calling, calling people they don't know, asking questions. And we even a lot of times have a fear of being told no. How did you get over that? Or are you just naturally good at that? Or has over time you just really built a network that there's really no cold calls anymore? Can you talk about that? Um, I don't really have an issue with it for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, I really believe in the ministry that I work in and the purposes that we pursue and the type of events we're doing. So I am wholeheartedly in. So whenever I need to make calls to get things arranged, um, I 
have a purpose for it. And, you know, then it's just the case of I'm inviting them to join us with it. And if they don't care to, okay. But if they are, then great. And um, I just usually, of course, prep ahead of time to make sure that I have lined out um, all the things that, you know, I think on their terms, what are the main things they will need to hear or know about an event to figure out if it's something they want to be a part of. And so I don't want to just call and, you know, speak in the air and not give any detail because if they are going to make a decision on it, then they want to know all that they can know. And so then it's usually just, hey, wanted to reach out, throw this your way. What are your thoughts? These are the things that we're considering and would like to do. Um, what does your calendar look like? And and it's a real easy thing. I, I love um, communicating with anyone that I reach out to just in a cordial way. I mean, it, it's the case of if they don't want to be a part of things, fine. If, if they do, great. And, you know, you develop friendships. Um, there's, I have a lot of wonderful uh, relationships that have been established just from, you know, we've worked on a variety of concerts together or bookings together. And so, uh, in fact, there's a couple people that I've done so much phone and email correspondence with, but then when we finally meet, it's like, yay, give me a hug. I feel like I know you so well. Um, that it's just the case of always be personable and put yourself in who you're talking to in their shoes of, you know, how would you like to be treated? How would you like things to be expressed? Don't be pushy. Don't be rude. Um, you know, because anytime that you operate in those ways, I think it's just a win-win on both ends. But if you're needing to, if you're approaching things in a way of thinking, okay, I have to convince them or, um, man, I'm going to be so discouraged if they turn it down, you know, then it's just kind of, well, are you really into what you're doing? And do you really, are you in the right place of understanding, um, not everyone's going to see the way you do, but don't take offense to that. You know, then it's, you know, turn the page, go to a different thing or a different effort or method. So, um, but, but I love it. And like I said, relationships have been established. It's, it's pretty easy for me, um, to do. Uh, I do recognize yet that sure. Some people I talk to, you can tell they're kind of uneasy or, um, getting used to the conversation aspect of things, but you do with time. And um, it's something that you can work on if uncomfortable and it comes to you usually. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you diving into all of that, Jill. You've given us a really great understanding of what your role is and how it works. And you've probably changed the mindset of quite a few people who have taken the opportunity to listen to this episode. And that is a good thing. And I do appreciate it. We do have a group of people, however, that may still be saying, this is me, this is what I want to do, this is my calling, I can feel it and I want to pursue it, but everyone always starts to ask some questions. And the first one is, well, Jill's making a living at this, but can I? So we always move into the income aspect of this particular um, show just to dive into what one can expect to make or kind of an idea I would assume, like all jobs, there's probably a wide range because event coordinators, sometimes they work for ministries, sometimes they work in associations. Uh, a lot of corporations actually hire event coordinators to put on their sales meetings and various events they have as well. So where one can work is probably wide and a wide variety of opportunities out there. 
Can you boil it down, though, based on your knowledge of what a safe range is? Can someone really make a living at this? Sure. And and it definitely also depends on if you are doing it as a full-time or part-time position, because it could be something that you are hired on to do just for here and there events. And it's not something that you do have, like I mentioned, you know, a variety of things coming up over the next six months. So yeah, it takes up your full-time role. But, um, and then there's also starting wages. And then as you prove yourself with any career, usually then that you, they want to hold on to you more. And so you get paid more. Um, and whether it be ministry or whether it be, you know, a small organization or a large organization, there definitely are all of those, um, determining factors that you can't give a rock solid picture of it. But I can say that typically if you are doing it as full time, um, if if you're going to be do it for a non for profit though, a lot of times you probably aren't going to you'll, you'll you could start at 25k, um, but then go up to 70,000 a year. It, it, it's just kind of again dependent on experience, what type of ministry, how much, um, how many tasks that you have, maybe what other roles you play in that same smaller entity, because um, sometimes maybe it couldn't be totally full time. Um, so I would say that in, in mainstream world, um, that the, another thing to consider is uh, with my role, I do the whole spectrum where if you're in a larger business, it could be that you are just one to handle the marketing of, a, of your, the events that are taking place, or you're just the person to handle the day of structure of those events. Or you are the one to do the settlement and financing. So, so that's another thing where you may have split roles if you are in a larger entity. Um, and, and that is the case where when it's a larger entity, then that you could make so much more <laughs> that you could start at a maybe 40K and even make up to 100,000. But it, it, that, those kind of things always depend on, well, who, is your, um, like, what is the business you're working for? What is the profit that they bring in from events? And so what are they willing to pay you? So it's a really broad spectrum. And I, you know, I know many people are probably just like, I don't want to hear that. Um, But unfortunately, it is. (laughs) And so it just depends on where you're wanting to work, the contacts that you make, the, um, what you're able to display and show that you're capable of doing and, um, you know, just what the final profits that come from what you do or what the ministry or organization get from what you do. And I appreciate the uh, input and the knowledge you just gave us. And the wide range is fine. The reality is there's a wide range in income in every single job out there. I just think it's good for people to have an understanding of what entry level really may look like. So that they are yeah. not expecting a sixty thousand dollar salary and shocked when they get twenty five offered. It's just mm-hmm. good to know that and know that you can grow into any role and prove yourself. Jill, unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time, so I, I want to ask two more questions, and I'm going to ask you to kind of summarize them if we can. The first one is around the area of a college degree. I believe everybody that can get a college degree should get a college degree. My belief really comes behind the fact that 
it just boosts your own personal confidence so that when you are sitting in front of someone pursuing a job, pursuing an opportunity, you're not holding your shoulders down and head down saying, well, I never got my college degree. With that being said, is a college degree a requirement in this type of role or just something that would be very nice to have? It isn't a requirement, something really nice to have, but I can say that my role that I did get here in the very beginning, uh, at even the position that I had left at one point, um, they they wanted me to have a degree. I think it was just they they looked at it as kind of something that they saw as I had put forth effort with something to achieve. So that said something about, you know, okay, you know, someone they're hiring that, okay, they they could see I had gotten a degree, how I had done with my education, what role I had pursued. And since I had mentioned it's communication and business, that fit what they were hiring for, that I would have some experience or education in that world to then apply to my job. Um, but I'll also say uh, for sure that any job that you come into you then like kind of start from scratch (laughs) and you have to then start learning and thinking through things and then applying yourself. So it just depends in the market a lot of times of who those hiring, what they really want. And I can say for sure that this wouldn't be something that you have to have a college degree for. But if you don't, they would at least want to see, well, what kind of experience applicable to this job you have. So what I really heard you say, what I really heard you say is if you're getting started in event planning, you're going to have a much better chance of success if you have a degree. If you've done this a long time, maybe you don't need it, but that's what I heard. I, I think so. And then just when you have something that you have sites for from your education to, then you can apply yourself more as you are in school to focusing and learning things that you know will be mo- more applicable. So it's good to do more than just the book learning while you are there. And then when it's something that you're considering to do as a career, make some contacts and find out more specifics of things that you can learn and be a part of to get experience, to put on your resume. You know, there's so much more beyond just go to class, um, you know, that you can do that then makes you a more appealing choice for those that you go to apply for later. Well, that actually brings up another question. So I apologize to all the listeners. This is a really good conversation, so I'm allowing it to go a little longer than even our normal episode. But I have to explore this now because you you make a a mention of those who are pursuing an education. It's always good to have book work, but it's always good to be learning the, let's call it the street work aspect of it. Do you believe that most event planners utilize interns? Because everything you listed out earlier, when you were giving that list of things you have to accomplish, my thought was how big is the team that she has? Because This has to take a lot of people. If I wanted to pursue something like this, are there intern opportunities out there? You know what? It may be intern or it may just be shadowing um, because sometimes internships here at our office, it takes a whole lot more on our plate to plan and equip and need to do interviews for when it's someone that's going to be here on a regular basis 
And so we've done that, but that doesn't always fit as well. Or if you would request it even someplace else that you would have an open door. But if even if that's not a possibility, you can still be reaching out to people in an industry that you're interested in and just ask, could I meet with you for lunch? Could I take you to lunch? Could I shadow you for a day and then just chat with you about what you do? And so that's something that I have open doors to. I actually had someone shadow me yesterday um, and I've had them do it in the past as well, where they can just come and walk around with me throughout the day of an event. And then, you know, afterwards I can say, all right, what are questions you have? And then that I can kind of give them a full spectrum of what we've sort of discussed today. And, you know, that gives them a real good understanding of what it it will take and what it entails for my job. So I, I say, yeah, ask, 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 reach out to people so that you can really get a good understanding of what the day-to-day is and how you would fit there. And um, I think even most people, unless there's just security things that wouldn't enable it, most people in their careers take that as kind of a perk. You know, it's like, wow, I get to show somebody what I do. And, you know, yeah, who knows, maybe they'll take my job someday. (laughs) And so it's something where um, it's just if your schedule's overboard, maybe it's a little harder. But even in those times, because my day of an event is very busy, and I've told the students who have shadowed me, I've said, I may not be able to talk to you much, but you just walk behind me and and beside me and see what I'm doing all day. And um, anytime I've done it, they've usually said, thank you so much. I mean, really, that opened my eyes. I had no idea what the logistics were. And that has helped me to really see that I do fit or that, yeah, this isn't for me. So definitely take that those opportunities and seek them out. That is very helpful. And again, I just want to pour into any listener just ask for help innately in every person is a desire to help. And we all know that because when we are asked, we jump at the opportunity to help someone else. But a lot of times we let our fears keep us from asking someone else because we don't want to bother them. But the reality is they want to help. So feel free to put yourself out there. Jill, can you give me the top two or three qualities in a perfect person for this role? Sure. I would say number one, it would be organization. Um, number two, not easily stressed, someone who can just stay relaxed. And, um, number three, friendly, um, caring about those that you work with and not just seeing it as a, you know, task, but enjoy what you do. Well, Jill, I appreciate that. You did a fantastic job. This was uh, a very enlightening interview for me, and I know the entire listening audience. I just really can't thank you enough, but the only way I know to end this show is with a thank you. Well, no problem. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com. What do you want to be when you're older, when you're big and a little bit bolder? What do you want to...